Betty, and I'm a very grateful alcoholic. And let me tell you something. It's just wonderful to be here tonight. Maybe not up here, but far. It's, it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. And as I look around the room and see all those candles, and uh, it's just so moving. Am I too close to this mic? Okay. Well, um, I want to share with you, this is my first women, women's AA conference. And can you imagine speaking at your first conference? <laughs> well, I'm scared, obviously. But uh, everybody's given me so much love and so much confidence that, um, I don't know, I, I'll go ahead and try. <laughs> and I hope, as Pam said, what this is all about is that we come here and perhaps we're able to give a little bit and take something away. I mean, it's that, and that's what AA is, and this is the way I understand it. I want to say thank you particularly to all of you women tonight because it was really because of you and each and every one of you that I could be here. Uh, I owe you my sobriety. Um, particularly thank you to a special group of women who are here tonight who made the tremendous effort to come to Long Beach where I was in the hospital and bring to me the feeling that I had an identity, an identity with the fact that I, yes, could be an alcoholic. Because this was the hard thing for me to feel. I was still feeling and suffering from that terrible stigma, even though I had actually, with the help of my family, admitted myself to the hospital, and I knew I needed treatment. There was no question about that. But I was still having trouble with the word alcoholic then. Thank God today I don't. I'm a grateful alcoholic, and I'm proud of it, and I just hope we can have a lot more next year. I mean women at the conference. <laughs> I guess there's some that are still out there, though, that ought to come in. What do you think? <laughs> I couldn't possibly go on any further without saying a thank you to my sponsor, the trustworthy friend who's been everything to me, a leader, friend, a pal, a teacher. She's really very, very gently, and I say that as a compliment, given me the ability to understand the 12 steps of AA. I should say gently and patiently because I was a very slow learner. But she's really done a tremendous job. And now I'm looking forward to, uh, first of all, I want to establish my age. I'm 60 years old when I came into AA. And you know that's pretty old. After all, when you're 60 and you have to seek help, things are rough. <laughs> but I, I came in, in in the April of 1978. And um, I celebrate my AA birthday and my BB birthday, which is my belly button birthday, 
right about the same time. And this year, I hope, with God's blessing, that I'll be able to have, it'll, I'll be 63, making me three years in this proud, wonderful organization. Of course, there's no reason to hide the fact that I'm 63. I am to be a very public person, as you all know. And every year they publish my age, so it wouldn't make any difference. If I tried to tell you I was 39 or 49 or something, you'd read it in the paper anyway. But, um, so, but there's a lot about being a public person. Like having your age published, it isn't so good, but it's also a disadvantage because people expect a lot of you. And, you know, when you're in that sort of um, distant place where people can't reach you, they put you on a pedestal. Um, particularly if your husband is an important man, whether you're important or not, you become important because you're his wife. And when you get on that pedestal and you find that they think so highly of you because you can't possibly do anything wrong, and pretty soon you begin to believe it. And when you believe it, you're in trouble. So um, the difficult situation is, of course, even the doctors and your friends don't dare to approach you and tell you that you've got a problem. And this is where it becomes very hard for someone to see that they need help. Uh, my doctors and my friends were all very kind. They um, were wonderful. They kept saying, oh, she's fine. And the doctors kept saying, you need another pill. And I, um, I found with an injured neck in pills just um, what was, it was a solid form of alcohol. And with a combination of pills to take care of the pain and pills for muscle relaxers and pills for this and pills for that. And then you had pills to counteract what the pills did and the side effects and so forth. And I, um, I worked myself up eventually to actually, I would say, at least 20 pills a day maybe more, probably five, four times a day, and then a couple of sleeping pills at night. And if you think that doesn't do something to your system, I can tell you it's a terrible shock. And the worst shock comes when you stop taking them. <laughs> I found in the pills something that, I mean, I really took them. I had never been taking pills before. And I took them because the doctor said so. I had a, a pinched nerve in my neck, and it seemed very necessary. And then I found that they gave me a lift. And that lift was very helpful, particularly if I was down. And uh, I began to depend on them. And whether my neck hurt or not, they were, they were great. So when I came into uh, this wonderful organization, I came with a dual addiction. I was both alcoholic and chemically dependent um, because of these things. I like the referral to the fact that uh, some people refer to it as the female fix, legal drugs and alcohol. And that's what it is. 
Both are very legal. The pills are prescription pills you get from the doctors. And of course, the alcohol you buy in a store. What could be better? And that's the ladylike way to go. <laughs> but you know, um, I'd forgotten until after a while that I knew about AA. You see, I had a brother who was in AA. Way back, in fact, he would have 34, 33, 34 years on the program where he alive today. He died sober, I would say about 20 years sober. And he had a lot of wonderful friends. He did a wonderful job in his sobriety. He made contacts all over the world. And at the time of his funeral, I was very proud of the fact that we heard from people in AA from other countries. And at that time, I didn't think AA was for me, but uh, I was very impressed, certainly, with the contacts he, he'd made, and I was very impressed with what he'd been able to do for his life. My father was an alcoholic, and so, you see, I have a really right to follow in the line of all this, and um, unfortunately, his alcoholism was that there was, AA had not been founded at that time, and he had to suffer, and eventually he did die, um, probably related causes, when I was 16. So I was very lucky. Lucky. I was much more fortunate than my father. AA was here, and it was for me. I want to go back a little bit and explain how I got here. I'll go back to the Christmas of um, 1977, and we were up in Vail, Colorado. We spent all our Christmases up there, the family and all the children. I thought it was a beautiful Christmas. The snow was particularly good, not like this year where it wasn't very good. It was very good that year, and everybody was seen, and I, I thought Christmas and presents, I had worked hard on it. And little did I know that the whole time the children had gathered, the whole family was concentrating on what was wrong with Mother. Uh, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed Christmas quite as much if I'd known it. Uh, <clears throat> at that time, of course, alcoholism to my family was something that they did not want to address. They certainly did not want to think of me as an alcoholic, but in their conversation, they talked about how Mother um, didn't remember things. Susan complained because, you know, she'd say, I, I talked to Mother yesterday on the phone, and I told her all this, and she called me back today, and she doesn't remember a thing. Now, I don't know that I was functioning in a blackout, but I sure was under heavy sedation, I know. I um, I remember the fact that I never was on time. I was just slow. I was so slowed up, you know, that I could never make it. I mean, they finally scheduled. We have a schedule in our family where, you know, departures and arrivals. Believe it or not, we do. And the sheet for me was always different than for everyone else. And I never caught on. 
But after this uh, big conversation at Christmas time, things began to roll and things began to work. No one wanted to take the responsibility. And thank God my daughter finally said, well, if nobody else is going to do anything about it, I am. And she went to the doctor we both used, our gynecologist, who knew me and was obviously well aware of the problem. And he was a good friend, but she also knew he was in AA. So she went to this doctor and she said, when are you going to do something about my mother? And after all, he was my doctor, and he just looked her right in the eye, and he said, Honey, I thought you'd never ask. So that was the beginning, and um, to continue, the doctor came over at the house, and he called on me, and I, of course, received him in my nightgown and robe. And um, that was my usual attire at 10 in the morning. I mean, you know, you dress for lunch. Um... I was very insulted to think he could have make any inference that I would have a problem. After all, who did he think I was? I um, I told him to go. And I said, don't come back. And I, I don't want to hear anything about it. Well, fortunately, the doctor did not give up on me. He went out and got recruits. And when he came back, he not only had four recruits with him, some of them from out of town, because he knew he had a tough cookie, but he had the whole family. And uh, they had been trained in what was is referred to today, and it's a wonderful thing. It's an intervention. Uh, I say it's wonderful because it does it for us before it's too late. It gets us in here where we belong, into treatment, and eventually into AA. While we still are able to make it, God only knows what could have happened if I hadn't come. I've often wondered, and it's scary. And that's why when Pam says, I was scared when she saw me at Long Beach, believe you me, I was scared. Because when my family walked in, and they all gathered, and they started talking about how much they loved me and how much our family meant to each and every one of us and why they cared and why they didn't want me to be sick and why they didn't want anything to happen to me. I knew it was with love that they had come. And although I cried, I listened fortunately. And I could hear them. I could hear them saying, our oldest son and his wife saying, you know, Mom, we'd love to have kids, but we don't feel we want to until we have a grandmother that's able to, you know, we can be proud of. Boy, that hurts, I tell you. And when, poor Susan, she couldn't even talk. She just cried. She was so upset. And the boys talked about things that had disappointed them about me. And my dear husband just sat there beside me and put his arm around me and he said, we're going to get something done. The time has come. Well, it all went well and I did. I ended up going to Long Beach 
the Long Beach Naval Hospital. I had a choice. I had a choice of going to AA, which they said would take a long time, or going to another hospital, or going over to Long Beach. And since I knew the doctor there already, he had just intervened me, uh, I figured that uh, that was probably as good as any place to go, and he was pretty tough. So after a short period of um, being um, somewhat withdrawn from the little pills that I kept in my medicine cabinet, uh, and that took about eight days, I finally went off to Long Beach. And believe me, I don't hope, I certainly hope I don't ever have to go through that kind of an experience again. Because uh, if you haven't ever had Valium in some of those things, you'll find that being withdrawn from those drugs is pretty rough. But when I got to Long Beach, some of my friends were very important to me then because I was over there with a bunch of sailors. And these sailors were all ages and all, you know, all rank in the Navy. Um, there weren't many women around. And uh, we all wore name tags, and it just had our, you know, first name, like Betty. Hi, I'm Betty. Um, and everybody went on the first name. But the thing was, their language was a little different than I'd ever heard. I tell you, I got... I developed the most beautiful vocabulary that I took home. It was fantastic when I shocked my husband. I want you to know when I went in there, I went in only, and I think most of you would understand this, that I was going in because I had taken... You know, I'd gotten addicted to a few pills. It was a chemical addiction, they said. They didn't dare use the word alcohol. No way. That would have been too much for me to swallow. But ten days later, they did a second intervention while I was there. <laughs> and uh, the second intervention, really, it got me saying, I give up. I guess I am. <laughs> And uh, I uh, put out a statement at that time saying that I was dually addicted and I'm glad. So it was something that had to be broken within me and it was right, but I hated it. I um, went in there, I think, with a certain amount of being willing to um, cooperate. That was what I was sort of doing to see Maybe they did have something. And I think even after I came out of Long Beach and went home and started in AA, I had that same attitude. I figured there had to be something there because all these women and men that I met seemed so happy and they were so warm and they were so friendly. And I better stick around and find out a little bit at least cooperate until I find out whether I really am one. I had my doubts for quite a while. But, you know, listening in an AA meeting, and that's what's the beautiful thing about it, and I say this to any newcomers, for gosh sake, keep going back, keep coming back to our meetings. 
Because it's only through this listening and you can't hear much the first few minutes. You know, your ears are pretty well plugged up. And, but if you keep going back and you keep listening and the magic words to me were keep coming back and keep listening. And I did it and I did it. And I found each meeting I learned Maybe I picked up this one little thing, and I was a slow learner. But eventually, I heard my story, and eventually, I knew that if I looked deep enough within myself, and I was truly honest, and believe me, it was hard, that, yes, I had the disease of alcoholism. I fit the mold. And I think at that point, I was so relieved to know that that was what it was and that I wasn't just out there still wandering around. Um, when you go in to your AA like that, wherever it may be, not willingly, but with the advice of others, Allow yourself to take some time. Allow yourself to get to know people and get around. I I was always late for meetings. You know, I was still running late. <laughs> Until finally, somebody spoke up at a meeting. They said, well, if you can't make it in a time, why do you make it at all? And if I didn't have enough respect, so... Um, it might have been my sponsor. I can't quite remember. But the calm and the serenity and the beauty that I found there, I would never trade. Never in the world. And I want to tell you a little bit about where we are today. Where we are in our family. I won back. I didn't ever lose it, I don't think. But the love and the understanding of my kids, and boy, do my husband and I have something going, too. It is super. Here we are, we're in our, well, it'll be 33 years we're married next fall. And the last three of them have been the very best. And that's something to say when you're up in your 60s. <laughs> but... I just am delighted today because I've had this marvelous opportunity to come here this weekend. You know, you've given me so much love and so much support, particularly tonight, because you've got no idea how scared I was. Ooh, I was perspiring down that just terrible. But I knew somehow that my higher power and your higher power were going to get me up here and let me share just a little bit with you. I love AA, and I love all of you women in it. I'm proud to be a grateful alcoholic. I think it's neat because I'm really glad that the world knows it, too, because I've learned a lot about it in the last three years, and I've tried to go out and talk a little bit because, you know, people will listen for me. I know, it's just in the name. 
And, uh, but I can carry the message a little bit. And I know that this is what the 12th step is all about. If we can carry the message to other alcoholics, this is where we're going to find our sobriety in many ways. So I'm going to keep on working those 12 steps. And I'm going to keep carrying the message. And I'm going to keep loving you. And I'm going to keep coming back. And I'm going to keep listening. Thank you very much.